Okay, Rob, is this not like the third or fourth time we have passed that old man on a bike? I think so, but you know what? The first time we passed that person on the bike, I, I'm pretty sure they were a teenager. This is too freaky. This is so weird. It is. I mean, hmm. we've done a lot of crazy stuff, but I think this might be the craziest. And I didn't even know you were that insane. I mean, okay, I understand we were, you know, trying to get the first copies of the book, but I did not expect you to set an entire rack of books on fire. You know what? If I am denied my new Sutter Kane book, I'm, I'm going to flip out. And that's what I did. And you flipped out for sure. <laughs> and everybody else went pretty crazy too, huh? I, You know what? A fan is a fan. And you do what you got to do. Yeah. But hey, we've got the final piece of the puzzle now. Exactly. And fortunately... My mama raised no idiot, so I bought two copies of every single book he put out, one to save and the other one to cut the cover off and put together to make a map to get us to Hobbs End. You know what? That's why you're the brains of this operation. I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> telling you. Hey, that uh, we're passing that old man again. This is so weird. This is so creepy. And he's not even like a hot old man. He's just like a haggard old man on a bike. <laughs> It looks pretty damn ridiculous, like he's wearing uh, a Halloween mask or something. It's pretty weird. But you know what? Did you expect anything less on a quest to meet Sutter Kane? No, I did not. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, what you can't even have any expectations, really, I think. I just think it's be so cool. I mean, forget Stephen King. He's so like yesterday. Yeah, it's all he, about Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane is the new Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Stephen who? Yep. <laughs> Stephen Hawking, what? Right. Whatever. Wow. But I, I feel like we've been driving this road for hours and my eyes are getting really tired. The lines are starting to blur. This... I'm pretty sleepy, too. Oh. Hmm. Uh, you, I could go for a nap. Thank God you're driving. Yeah, you, uh, well, you fall asleep. I'll take care of it. Then I'll wake you up and you can take the rest of the way. All right. Oh, hey, wow. These... These lines are really blurry. Wake me when we get across that covered bridge coming up. Covered bridge? What? See it? Holy oh. shit, we were just on the highway a second ago. And now it's daytime. What is going on here? Look at the sign. Look at the sign, my friend. Welcome to Hobbs. We found it. We I cracked the I would code. Never steer you. Yep, I would never steer you wrong. <laughs> And that's why I trust your ways, man. I'm telling you. And I've got to pee really bad. I wonder where the bathrooms are around here. Maybe you can ask that lady over there. Oh, she's coming up. See, I knew they'd be friendly here. Oh, wow. Yeah. What What a way for hospitality in New Hampshire. I mean. Exactly. My oh, wait a minute. Holy shit. That's not a woman, was she That's not a woman. Was she in a nuclear reactor? What's going on I here? I don't know. This is. Are the locked the door? The, the car the won't door. start. The car will not Rob, start. Rob, she's closer and she's creeping me out. Ah! This one will drive you absolutely mad.
The riots began because the stores could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane disappeared two months ago without a trace. Isn't the guy that writes horror books? You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. It's a setup. It's a setup. I just have to work out how it's set up. Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. See this? It's a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, Trent. <sighs> Welcome back to another awesome episode of Midnight Mass Creature Cast. From that trailer, you know that we are delving deep into the Mouth of Madness from 1994. I am Mark, and I am always, always joined by the ever awesome. I'm Bobby. I am not Sutter Kane, but I have been described. No, never mind. I'm going to have to start that one over. <laughs> Well, it's hard to take you serious with all those crosses drawn on your face with crayon, black crayon. Yeah, well, you know, method acting, just trying to get into character here. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so we are definitely going to be covering John Carpenter's, um, it's basically kind of like his uh, trilogy, I'm using little air quotes, trilogy. You know Um, what, I was going to bring that up too. It's his uh, Apocalypse trilogy. Exactly, exactly. Do you want to talk more? Um, sure. It started off with The Thing. And uh, the second, huh? From 82, 1982. Oh, yes. 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second movie in the trilogy is one we haven't covered, which is Prince of Darkness. 87. Yep. And this mm-hmm. is the third and final. 1994. Exactly. Yep. So that's pretty crazy. I had no idea that these three films were connected in that way. So now come at me, bro. But Walt and I were discussing this and I'm like, I, I feel that this came about after the fact, the, the trilogy air quotes again, because if you're going to do this, why not throw in like escape from LA? Because that's kind of apocalyptic too. You know, I think this happened after the fact. I don't think this was a conscious effort beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, how I feel escape from yeah. New York seems more like it would fit in, in the dark kind of universe that is like the John Carpenter world. Whereas the thing it's dark, but it's a whole different other kind of monster. Yeah. I think they're just using the umbrella of like something has come to doom the world, mm. bring about its demise. That's just how I take it. I don't think it was like, I don't think someone sat down and said, okay, I'm going to make these three series of films and they're going to be linked by like the apocalypse. I think it's just something that Mr. Carpenter did. And looking back in retrospective, he's like, hey, these three films talk about like the end of the world and to some degree, the end of humanity, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah, that's how I see it. 
Yeah. The crazy thing is, like, I can totally see Prince of Darkness being part of this. Um, because it's like, you know, that has to do with the Antichrist or the devil and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. I, I really can't remember everything about the movie now. Um, to, and, oh. and then the, this whole Sutter Kane thing is more like a Lovecraft. It takes a lot of things from Lovecraft and it's like the old ones are waiting to return to this world. Oh yeah. This is definitely Carpenter goes Lovecraft. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I agree with you. I think to me out of the three Prince of Darkness pairs better with this one than the thing pairs with the other two. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Uh, so of course this was, you know, director John Carpenter. Um, it was written by Michael DeLuca. He's a screenwriter. He's done other films as well. Um, the cast isn't super big. Are you okay if I kind of knock out the main ones to begin with? Yeah, go for it. So basically the premise of the story is we've got a author um, whose work is becoming very prolific in the horror genre. And uh, his name is Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane's disappeared. Um, and his company has hired an investigative insurance, an investigative insurance, insurance, help me, insurance agent. <laughs> that, that's a mouthful. <laughs> holy cow. To discover his whereabouts. The agent is played by Sam Neill and the agent's name is John Trent. Now, Mr. Neal, I know him from Possession from 1981 with Isabella Ajanti. Have you ever seen this film? Mm, it doesn't sound familiar. No. Oh, holy cow. It is like one of the weirdest movies ever. And I love the thing. Uh, it's just so freakish. It's about a man um, and his wife going through a very awful breakup. <laughs> but there's also like creatures in it and stuff. It's just so weird. Uh, Isabella Ajanti is amazing in it. Um, then he was in the movie Dead Calm with Nicole Kidman in her old nose from 89. Oh, I've seen that movie. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. Billy Zane can do no wrong in my mind. <laughs> um, and then the piano with Harvey Keitel na uh, naked a lot in Holly Hunter. Never seen it. I like that one. It has a really young Anna Penguin in it. Hmm. Do you know Anna Penguin, like True Blood? Oh, Anna. Pa okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, he's Dr. Grant from the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was trying to figure out where I remember him from. And the only movie I really, really remembered him from was Event Horizon. Oh, that was what, 97. That was yeah. my next one. And then did you ever see Daybreakers? Uh, uh, the, the vampires that. Day yes, I did. It wasn't there a, a, a sequel to that or was that part of a sequel? Now, there was. Um, there was gay breakers. Gay breakers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not know, my friend. There may have been. I don't know. Okay, uh, so um, is that the okay? Is Daybreakers? Is that the Ethan Hawke movie? It totally is. Yes. It okay. Is. Yes. Then all right. I'm thinking of a different one that is uh, is earlier than that, and I don't think Sam oh, Neill okay. was in that. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So those are the like kind of some of the biggies. He's John Trent. He's our insurance investigator, hired by. Uh, a publishing company ran by Jackson Harglow, and that's Charlton Heston. You damn dirty apes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he was uh, George Taylor from Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. 
Now, did you ever see the Omega Man? I was just going to bring that up. I've never seen it, but I did see I Am Legend. Okay. I actually like the Omega Man like a hundred percent more than I Am Legend. I was not an I Am Legend fan. I really like the Omega Man. I'm going to have to watch that one of these days. It was kind of fun. I really liked it. And he was in Soylent Green. I'm getting nothing from you. Do you know Soylent Green? Oh, sorry. I was adjusting myself. I had to fart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've heard the name, but never seen quality. We bring you quality people. (laughs) Um, And then I love the disaster movies. And he was in airport uh, 1975 in 1974 was when it was out. And Earthquake was also in 1974. And then did you ever see The Awakening, the the, uh, mummy movie from 1980? Mm, no, I don't believe I okay. did. He was in that one too. So this gentleman has hired Mr. Trent uh, to go in search of uh, Sutter Kane. Now Sutter Kane is played by, I believe it's Jürgen Prochnow. I hope I pronounced the gentleman's yeah, name. Wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, our good friend Jürgen Prochnow in um, House of the Dead? <laughs> He was. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought his face looked familiar. I've seen yeah. him in other movies, but I most most notably remember him as the ship's captain in House of the Dead. Yeah. He was also in Tenderness of the Wolves from 1973, which I really like that movie. Did you ever see The Keep from 1983? No, but I have read the book. Okay. So he was in the movie ad- adaptation of that. And then he was in David Lynch's Dune from 1984. Okay. I've seen that, but I don't remember him. Okay. He says he remembers you. Um, he was in The Seventh Sign, which we've talked about uh, from 88. That really, uh, I, I'm not a fan of it. The Demi Moore movie about the like in the end of the world. Uh, wasn't he the Lamb of God in that film? Okay. <laughs> uh, he may have been. I just remember he was in it. Um, he was the one also- who, uh, I don't know if I'm getting this right because it, it's been so long. But he was the one who was uh, telling the prophecy of the child and like trying to um, kill the baby or something like that. Or okay, I'll, I'll, I, I'm not going to dispute you at all, my friend. I don't know. Have you have you seen the movie? Yes, when it came out in 1988. So you're asking me to. Okay, yeah. See, I barely remember. <laughs> yeah. The same. So I don't um, know. I'm just going to stop talking because I've already dug myself a hole here. No, you're fine. I just can't. I cannot uh, confirm nor deny because it's been so long. Um, and he worked with David Lynch. He was in Fire Walk With Me, uh, the Twin Peaks movie from 92. Now, of course, Twin Peaks. Talked, right. I think we talked about this and you said you had not seen it, which I'm not telling you to see it. But he was in the Madonna Willem Dafoe movie, Body of Evidence from 92. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't seen that one. Okay. You don't need to see it. Anyway, and he was also in Judge Dredd from 95. I did see that. Okay. Now. Word on the street has it that he was not the first choice for the film. Right. Your boy Rutger was. Oh, my gosh. And apparently Sutter Kane was supposed to perform in just a G string. <laughs> really? Is, was, <laughs> no. he, uh, was he supposed to carry a samurai sword and be blinded? If, if it was in a G string, I'd be OK with it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes. Yeah, so Rutger did not work out. But originally it was supposed to be Rutger Hauer, which I could totally see him in that part. Yeah, because they kind of, you know, their their characters that they play are almost interchangeable. And I could almost see, like, if we do a recasting couch on this, I want to throw in the name. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. 
<coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I'm going to have to edit that. <clears throat> Leave it in. You sound like you're dying slowly. I want to. <laughs> I'm going to throw in Dolph Lundgren's name. Dolph Lundgren. Well, then we have to talk about Brigitte Nielsen for no reason. <laughs> and Leah Thompson. And Leah Thompson. So we would have, I guess, Brigitte would be Saperstein. I, w- I would say that. The uh, <laughs> asylum attendant. And then uh, Leah Thompson, I guess we have to be Linda Stiles. Oh, I was thinking Aja Argento for Linda Stiles. Oh, we could do that. Well, then Leah Thompson would be who? Leah Thompson would be... Hmm. Well, there aren't many women in this movie, so... No, we're just... Well, Brigitte Nielsen, I just stuck her in a, in a male role. We can do that. I mean, Sigourney okay, Weaver so, wasn't supposed to be male, so... Um, Leah Thompson will be uh, the axe maniac. Really? I kind of thought, let's just replace Sam Neill with Leah Thompson. Ooh, okay. Better idea. <laughs> But I want her as Bev. You oh, want her. <laughs> So she's going to carry a duck with her. No, just I want the like crimped hair and the like, you know, really kind of goofy attitude. Oh, okay. But she's gotcha. in this movie. Like everything else has not changed. And she's in this movie. <laughs> anyway. Okay. We, I digress. And I've, and I've drugged Rob along with me. Um, and then. Um, the editor of the uh, series of books by Sutter Kane is Linda Stiles, played by Julie Carmen. I just know her from a couple of things. She was in the James Brolin, whom I love, uh, movie Night of the Juggler from 1980. And then she was in Fright Night 2, which have you seen that one? Yeah. Who was she? Was she the vampire? I believe so. In 1988. Okay. I love that movie. By the, I love that movie, by the way. I love the first Friday night and I did enjoy the second one. I love the second one. I like the first one. I love the second one. Like I love the second one. Uh, what? I think um, it's awesome. I think the, the guy who nailed that role completely, I can't remember his name. Roddy uh, McDowell. No, Roddy McDowell. You know, we talked about him. No, the, the vampire. Oh, the Sarandon, Chris Sarandon. Okay, yes. I think he was great in that movie. I mean, uh-huh. he was, he just oozed like vampire asshole in that film. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I mean, the first Fright Night was such a, I mean, we, we definitely have to cover it because I'm gushing now. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, my composure. I just. So you said vampire asshole and then oozing and that like gets like a whole different image in my head. <laughs> so we're moving on. Okay. So print or not even Prince of Darkness in the mouth of madness. Okay, here we go. Now, so the movie starts with this like rockin' soundtrack. Oh yeah. I, I even wrote that down. It was like awesome heavy metal intro. Okay, that's okay. So we have two totally different takes on the intro. <laughs> there was a time when it seemed like every horror movie had to have like a rock song in the beginning and a rock song at the end credits, even if it didn't fit with the movie. Because to me, like, this doesn't really necessarily have to go with the rest of the film. And it doesn't, it doesn't re- like show up really anywhere else in the movie. 
No. What you know you, what I'm saying? I think it's more of a John Carpenter type thing, actually. Really? Because I don't I can't think of many more like rock and soundtracks that Mr. Carpenter really has like well, that, like this rock. Do you know oh, what I mean? yeah. Not this rock. But like when you take into account vampires, you know, it was that really um, dark Western kind of soundtrack. Yeah, this one just seems like I'm going to do a hair band kind of song <laughs> at the beginning of my movie. But anyway, so it opens up and there's like a printing press and we see that they are printing the cover for the. Um, Hobbs End Horror book by Sutter Kane. And then on the flip of it, they are uh, hyping the coming soon in the mouth of madness, the next book from Sutter Kane. Yeah. And I just uh, had images of the mangler and watch your fingers. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Or if you happen to be, you know, a nude worker, something else. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that took me a moment, but yeah, I, I'm on the same page as you now. Yeah. So, um, and then we see an ambulance bringing, uh, someone to the, basically an asylum. Yeah. And, uh, this is where we're greeted with, uh, John Glover, who I mainly remember from Smallville, the TV show. Oh, okay. It, well, in the film, he's Saperstein. Uh, now I know him from Scrooge, the Bill Mur the Bill Murray movie Scrooge. I don't remember him from that. He was in Scrooge. Now tell me, you've seen Gremlins too, the new batch? Oh, you know I have. Okay, so he was in that. He was also in RoboCop two. They were both from nineteen ninety. My goodness, I, I do not remember him from any of those. Okay, and then he more recently he was in Shazam from twenty nineteen. And I did I see Shazam, but I okay. didn't even see him in that film. So I don't know. Yeah, he was in that as well. Yeah. So basically, we are shown that our principal actor, uh, Sam Neill, his character, Mr. Trent, John Trent, is being admitted into a psychiatric facility. Yeah. And this must be like right after that... Um, because the movie starts off at the ending and kind of goes. It's like a cycle. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those. Um, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> Give me a moment. <laughs> it's late in the evening and this always happens to me. Uh, um, yeah, never mind. Uh, okay, I'm completely all right. blank. Yeah, but it, it basically it like. Uh, Tarantino. No, Tarantino. Oh, it, okay, it came up. Yeah, yeah there we go. Or. Almost like Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah. Starship Troopers. Mm -hmm. Just for like our audiences that have been following along with us. All these many, many months. Many um, moons. Many months. Uh, but so, okay. So he's been brought inside and um, <clears throat> he's kind of rambling and it's to other people. It's not making any sense what he's saying. Um, he's upsetting the other patients and, uh, I love that the, uh, there's like music playing, but it's the carpenters. We've only just begun. Oh yeah. He's in his cell. He's like, not the fucking carpenters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but we see that there's like a knock on his window. There's like a little window into the cell, his padded cell, not padded. It's, I, it's kind of padded, but it's like a cell. Um, and then we see a shadow behind Trent. So there's someone in there with him. 
And that's when Trent says it's the rotten way to end it. And we get that like an image montage of other scenes that will be coming up in the movie. Oh, yeah. He says, uh, is this the end? And he's like, no, this is just the beginning or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And it's it's thundering outside and that we uh, we uh, hear that he has a request. He wants just one single black crayon. Yeah, which then, is Oh, go ahead. I just found it weird because the crayons that I remember, you could not draw on your own body with them. I knew where you were going with that. Yeah. Okay. Really stick to most things he was doing. I would have given him a marker, but anyway, that's neither here nor there, I guess. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Um so someone, and we'll figure out much later, has sent Dr. Wren to kind of look into Trent and kind of figure out what's going on. Now, Dr. Wren is played by the actor, David Warner. Um, I actually loved David Warner. He's done like a lot of stuff. I didn't write down a ton of stuff. Uh, He was in the movie from beyond the grave from 1974. He, I love the Omen series. He was in the first Omen from 76. He was in the Angela Lansbury movie company of wolves from 1984, which I love that one too. And now I'm pretty sure we talked about Waxwork. He was in that one from 1988. Uh, Yeah, we have talked about Waxwork a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So he was in that one. All right. So he's been sent to kind of figure out what is up with Trent, why he is in the condition he's in. Yeah, and I was getting the vibes a little bit from beyond where, you know, but, you know, roles reverse. There's, it's not a woman doctor this time. She's trying to, uh, the doctor is trying to figure out, like, what's going on in this man's mind. And is he speaking the truth? Um, right. And it, and they're both, like, based on H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, One is more exactly. faithful, but the other is uh, kind of like a H.P. Lovecraft, a nod to H.P. Lovecraft. Right. Now, it's really just you and me, Rob. We know no one else listens. Would you rather see uh, David Warner or Barbara Crampton in the S and M wear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Barbara Crampton. I, you know what? I had a hunch. I thought it's going to be close, but I think he's going to be Team Barbara on this one. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, so this is where we get Trent is just going to kind of start from the beginning and just kind of spill everything. To, to Dr. Wren about what led him to this point in his life. Right. He's uh, it's funny how he starts it off at a point uh, that uh, it's a point before he even gets like the Sutter Kane gig. Like he's um, doing some kind of work for a guy who was committing fraud and uh, claimed a fire, but then, you know, did some private investigations and took photographs of his wife and his uh, mistress wearing the items that were supposedly destroyed in the fire. Yes. What he's doing is basically setting up for the doctor, his profession. And he's a profe- his profession is he's a freelance insurance investigator. And so okay. he works for different companies right now. He has been hired by a gentleman named Robinson, who's Bernie Casey, uh, the actor. I know him from Cleopatra Jones uh, in 1973 in the movie Ants with Suzanne Somers from 1977. Um, 
But basically, he's been hired by this gentleman, and he investigates insurance claims that they believe are fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And just like you explained, you know, uh, which I actually love the guy because the way they caught the gentleman is he was in cahoots with his wife to claim that his factory had burnt down, but she turned on him when she was presented with photos of the <laughs> gentleman's mistress with nicer furs than the one she had. And then she just like ratted him out, which I love. Yeah. But anyway, so that's what um, Trent actually does. And that's how he ends up basically embroiled in all of this madness because um, he has been hired by, as I mentioned before, um, uh, the publishing company of the Sutter Kane novels to find the gentleman, to find the author. And we are first privy to this information because he's actually dining uh and it looks more like an afternoon like lunch meeting with robinson at like a cafe and they're discussing um basically whether or not uh trent wants to become a permanent employee at robinson's uh firm or uh, a business his business well across the street we see this gentleman come walking out of like a video rental store with an axe (laughs) and he does not look good no. And he's, he's like disheveled looking. He's got this like dirty trench coat and he just like makes a beeline right across the street, like up to the cafe window where the two gentlemen are sitting talking and just smashes it with this ax. Yep. And then, uh, asks very calmly, do you read Sutter Kane? And the guy's got like the weird double pupil thing going on and there's blood like trickling out his eyes. Yeah, what is that gets, called? Like, what um, what sexy. scientific designation is that? The two pupils? Yeah, I, I think there's demon a, possession. Demon possession. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything where people would have two pupils. I don't think that exists, does it? I thought I saw something like it, where not two pupils, but two uh, corneas or whatever the colored part of the eye is. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that one. I, I don't think that's an abnormality for sure. I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a mutation. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. But it's creepy as heck. Up. I think. Do you it's, remember there was a time, Rob, when like a lot of horror movies were doing this? Yeah. Oh, it's called yeah. polychoria. It's when when a person has two pupils or the appearance of two pupils. I apologize to every person out there with polychoria that I just referred to you as being demonically possessed. I did not mean that. I sincerely apologize. You are not demonically possessed. Or you might um, be. You know? Well, I that was Rob. That was not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when, uh, like every movie for like a short time, every, they were doing that effect. Like everyone had that double pupil thing going on. Yeah. Um, Anyway, he's shot by the police, and then um, we see that Trent is back at home, and he's got Kane's latest novel. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. No, no, no. He's at home, and he's watching TV, and they're talking about Kane's latest novel, and they're saying, you know, is it fiction, or is it becoming like a new religion? Yeah, and how people are really getting violent and, you know, acting yeah, it's like- crazy. It's setting people off. There's something triggering people's behavior in his in these novels. Yeah. Okay. So now um, we are at an office 
and it happens to be the office containing the publisher of the books belonging to Sutter Kane. And I love, did you notice like the book imagery was very like Cthulhu-esque? It was. Yeah, that was my first thought. I was like, wow, this is really like uh, an ode to Lovecraft. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so the reason he's there is because the company that he's freelancing for is um, insured by Trent's uh, company is who provides the insurance for this company. And so what they've done is they are hiring him to locate the author because he's just disappeared. Well, he's very lucrative to the company and he owes them the other book in the mouth of madness. Yep. They, his, they uh, want the book. book. Yeah. They want the book. If they can't get the book, they want to know where he's at. They want answers. Mm -hmm. So he's having the meeting with, as I talked about before, um, Mr. Hardglow, who is uh, Charlton Heston. And then the editor who works exclusively with Sutter Kane, uh, Miss Stiles is there. And that is uh, a Julie Carmen, as I mentioned before. And so they're just having this meeting and Trent's being rather standoffish about the whole thing. You could tell he's just like, you know, it's just a horror author. What's the big deal? I don't really, you know, get into this. I don't really particularly care about the horror genre. It all just seems so silly. And, and he's actually not even for sure that he's buying into all this because he's already tainted from working with all these people. Yeah. He's kind of jaded. Like his view of, of this being legitimate is very uh, tainted by his profession, by all the things he's seen so far. Right. To him, this is just one big publicity stunt. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they've already mentioned they've have two chapters of it. So they kind of know where it's going, but they haven't heard from the guy in like two months. He's been gone. So the editor's kind of like put off by Trent's stand on the whole thing. So she leaves, but he catches up with her outside and he's just trying to kind of bury the hatchet. Um, but inside, Harglow mentioned that he wanted uh, Styles to accompany Trent on this, like basically a reconnaissance mission to find the author to find Kane. Yeah. Uh, figure out where he is. Exactly. And I thought, you know, had this been Tom Atkins, she wouldn't have made it out of that office before they had slept together. <laughs> they would. The next scene would have been them two in bed. Right. Well, they would have been behind uh, Charlton Heston's desk. <laughs> wow. They wouldn't have even <laughs> waited to get to, to a bedroom. No, she would have had the sheet like, you know, tucked over her cleavage. He'd be looking at her drawing. Isn't she um, a little old for Tom Atkins, though? Exactly. Yeah. He'd <laughs> been like, eh, you know what you'll do till I find, you know, like a 20 year old. <laughs> um, but no, it's Sam Neill. So that didn't happen. Actually, apparently, though, I, I saw on the Blu-ray, I was watching the extras. They did film a sex scene that did not make it into the movie. And I'm not I'm being serious on this. Um, oh, wow. Because so I know like, she kept coming on to him, but he was pushing her away. Yeah, I believe it probably happened later in the film when they arrive at uh, Hobbs End at the oh. hotel is my guess. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so, because uh, there's not really any other parts of the movie that that would uh, be a place for a love scene. I mean, it's a really yeah. odd kind of thing. There's not a lot of opportunity for it. No. Yeah. Which I'll be honest with you. 
I'm fine with that because not everyone has to have sex with everyone all the time. <laughs> no, I'm actually glad there was no love scene in this Exactly, movie. right. But anyway, so they kind of bury the hatchet and they're going to go on this road trip to find him. So she's also filling in Trent that his work was a little erratic before, but never quite this bad. So she's actually really kind of concerned about him as well. Yeah. And you're so getting like that. the imagery that she's kind of in love with this guy. With Kane. Yeah. With Sutter Kane. You do get, there's something, there's some kind of connection, you know, there. And is it just because they've worked so closely for so long or is there something more? That's how I took it. Right. Cause she's a huge fan of his books. Uh, she loves reading his stories because they scare the hell out of her. Um, it, it's just like she's she seems to be really enamored with him. She's very taken with, with if not him, with his product. Yeah. Yeah. So that evening, we have Trent walking home and he passes by. It's basically a bunch of like small posters plastered to a wall of Kane, Kane's uh, novel. And he kind of like stops and looks at those. And then he sees like a, a bit of like down an alleyway, there's like a bit of police brutality. Yeah, police brutality. That's exactly what I wrote. Yeah. And then spray painted on the wall is capital I and then capital CA. But that's it for now. Now we're back in the apartment of Trent. And then... There's more of their talk about the pop phenomenon. Is it just a phase? And then is it a setup? You know, is this like a publicity thing to, you know, pump up the the uh, the hype for the new upcoming book? Or is this guy really MIA? What's going on? So Trent decides that he needs to do, in order to do his job, he needs to actually kind of start looking into these books. So we see him in a bookstore and there's that really creepy guy with the glasses in there. And he approaches Trent. Oh, and he says, I see you. I can see. I can see. Okay. That's important because of the night before it was I and then CA. And then he says, I can see. Ah, gotcha. With me? Yep. I'm with you. Okay. All right. And then uh, and then he says, he sees you. And then Trent just responds, well, tell him I said hi. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's still not buying any of this. Like, he's not even remotely seeing anything as odd he's just like these are a bunch of like freaky people into this guy yeah he's not paying any of this any creed whatsoever it's just to me it's like a normal person wrapped up in this weirdness how uh, you would react i think right you could because you're not into this is kind of a subculture and exactly he's not right. a part you're not even it. exposed to like yeah. you don't even care about it all yeah right exactly it would be uh, I don't even know, like just something I I would like barely know the fringe of, but like other people, it's like their whole world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Women. Women. Um, <laughs> me meaning as a gay man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant. Not that, oh, you anyway, killed I'm me. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So now there's a couple of scenes where Trent's on the phone with his employer, Robinson, that he actually is freelancing with. And he's talking about the horror novels are actually better written than he expected. Um, and they kind of get to you, he's saying. He's like been reading them and they're kind of kind of messing with him. <clears throat> yeah, and is he, this, is this uh, are we getting to the dream sequence? 
I was going to say he remembers peeling back the the posters on the wall and we see more of the cop and the cop is kind of grotesque looking. Yeah, he's got some boils on his face or yeah. some weird And shit. then we see the spray paint is more than just ICA. It actually says I can see. I thought it said ICP. <laughs> what? <laughs> Like I see urine. No, no. Oh, <laughs> insane clown posse. ICP. Oh, okay. So there's a French thing where I know nothing about really, and then you know a lot. There we go. That's the perfect example, my friend. And it didn't even say "see you next Tuesday." No, that would have been great if it did. It, it didn't say that. Um, then we see the. Did we even say who the man with the axe was? We did not. Uh, no, the we didn't. The man with the axe was Kane's agent. Yes, but we didn't find that out until much later, right? Well, here in this dream sequence, we see the agent. No, I don't. I think we did know this. It was it was re- related to that's who that was. Oh, okay. So he's got the axe, and he's kind of backed by other people with axes, except now they have encircled him, and they are chopping at him with their axes. Yes, and then he wakes up from that dream. Well, hang on. Oh, okay. Before that, we see a woman, and she's got like this piece, and she eats some of the meat from the axe. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes, okay. You know, then, my my copy was weird because there were a lot of cuts, uh, like uh, jump cuts, and so it, it seemed like the scenes didn't get a chance to finish on them before uh, it went to the next one. Okay, so what were you going to say now uh, when I cut you off? From what I cut to is him awakening from that, you know, after the axes hit. Um, okay. He woke up next to the cop. Um, yes. Yeah. And not the normal cop. No, the the boiled and uh, weird looking cop. Yes, exactly. He almost kind of looked uh, like piggish to me. Yeah. Not to be mean. I don't mean that derogatory. I mean, he actually looked like a farm animal. Yeah, he did. He looked like a pig. Yeah. And then he actually really wakes up on the couch. So it was like a false wake up and then a real wake up. Yeah. It was like three levels of inception there. Right. Correct. So now it's morning and he goes to like wipe his eyes, but then he realizes he's wiped black ink on his face. (laughs) He has this ink on his fingers, which it's like, well, where would he have gotten that from? I thought that was great because he looked like a football player for the rest of the scenes. Well, now I'm thinking about Sam Neill in a jockstrap. So thank you for putting that in my head. You're welcome. All right. And then in front of him, he's got all of uh, Kane's books splayed out in front of him. Ah, uh, yes. And that's where he notices the little red streaks form some kind of a puzzle type thing. Yes. On the cover of every novel, there's almost like a little red kind of outline. So what he's done is he cuts these outlines out and figures out a way to arrange them. They almost make like a map. A map of New Hampshire. (laughs) And the map will lead him to, he's thinking, Hobbs End. Yeah. Or a place that's supposed to, a place that's, uh, he doesn't believe Hobbs End exists, but there's a definite place on the map there that is, you know, uh, what the hell do you call that? It it forms a perfect uh, topography type thing. 
Right. And he's believing that that it's been there all along and that this is Kane's way of like basically like effing with the world. Yep. And he's telling him right where he is. And he's just going to get in his car and he's going to, you know, go with Styles and they're just going to go find the author and get the new book out of him. And that's the end of this. Yeah, he's going he's, I'm going to be done with this job. Exactly. So the uh, um, next day they're on their car excursion and we've got Trent driving and Linda's asleep next to him. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got a stupid klaxon horn, little clown squeaker in the glove box for no real reason. That was one of my favorite parts about this movie because it's so out of place. Like why? Why, <laughs> why would you have something like that in your car? And why would you decide no to wake up somebody you don't even know with a stupid I have horn? No idea. And so, so it weird. just like it. It seems so out of place for this movie. So weird. It does. It does. Well, anyway, he's like, we're lost, and she's like, there's no such place as Hobbs End. We're looking for something that doesn't exist. Yeah. So it's nighttime, and um. Now, does uh, does oh, she go. see the, the kid on the bike or does he see the kid on the bike? Uh, eventually, but right now they're just kind of talking about whether or not she likes working on Kane's work. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she says that she does. She likes being scared. Um, and Trent's like, you know, reality isn't fiction, so it's not really the same thing. And she says, you know, everything you ever, what what if everything you ever knew was was gone. And she said that would leave you feeling pretty lonely. Yeah. And then basically talking about inverting, uh, inverting sanity and insanity. So the, exactly the insane people become the majority and you're, you're suddenly insane because Mm -hmm. you're not the majority anymore. Yes. Well then it's night and the two have switched positions and Linda's driving and a young biker passes them. And he's got these like, like, uh, playing cards on the spokes of his wheel. So they're making that clickety clacking noise. Clickety clack. Clickety, I used clickety. to love that so much. <laughs> it was so relaxing putting it on your bike. Just be like. <laughs> so later on though, they are passed by a much older person, which I think it's supposed to be the young boy age, but he looks like he's just wearing a really freaky Halloween mask. Yeah. Cause he's got like the weird gray hair and everything. But he's clearly on the same bike because those cards are making the noise again. Right. And uh, did they pass this from a different direction as well? Yeah. And how many times did they pass him? It seemed like at least two or three, I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Well, he passes and then all of a sudden Linda actually hits him with the car. Oh, yeah. And the last time (laughs) (laughs) because she's getting really tired. So then they get out and he's laying there, but his voice does not match the old man at all. No, he sounds like the little kid. Or that, a teenager. So which is even more jarring coming from the old mask looking thing. And he says, I can't get out. It won't let me out. Yeah. And, and then, then there's the imagery of like the windmill behind, like kind of doing make the same little clickety clack noises, the, the tires or the uh, cards and the tires, the bike tires. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the guy just gets up and pedals off and it's like, whatever. Okay. So Trent's <laughs> just like, let's go and we'll tell the cops 
when we hit the next town. Yeah. Don't worry about me. I walked it off. I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. So it's still nighttime and they're back in the car. Linda's still driving and she's messing around with the radio and Trent's back asleep. And the lines on the road are that separate the two lanes. They're kind of starting to vanish and it just becomes like blackness. Yeah. And then underneath the tire of the car, we're not talking the sky. We're talking like there's no road, but there's storm clouds under the car. That would have freaked the shit out of me. And let me tell you, I would have, I probably would have stopped the car, at least tried to rather than continue driving. Well, I'm like, if I'd stop, I would, it's like those Warner brother cartoons. If you stop, you drop and you keep <laughs> driving and you'll be okay. <laughs> Wasn't it in the Wiley Coyote cartoons where yeah. it's like he's running on air until he suddenly realizes that he's no longer on the ground. And upon that moment of realization, that's when you drop. Right. So you keep driving, Rob. If you look down and see clouds, you keep driving. You put okay. the, I'll do that. The, the pedal to the metal. Uh, and then eventually becomes like the wooden beams of like a covered bridge. First, we see the bottom part of it. And then we realize that, yes, she is inside a covered bridge. Yeah. And you hear that bridge sound where you're um, riding the tires over wood. It's like, da -dunk, da -dunk, mm -hmm. da -dunk, da -dunk. and then she comes out the other side of the bridge and it's daytime. Yeah. Like, bam. It's daytime. Well, Trent wakes up and he's like, I must have slept through the night. And then we see the bridge where it says Hobbs End. And yep. Linda's like, you drive. It's <laughs> like, I can't take this anymore. This is too much for me. Mm -hmm. So they pass over some railroad tracks into like it. Basically, it looks like an abandoned Norman Rockwell town. It's like, you know, kind of like, well, what does he call it? Main Street USA. I mean, it looks like, yeah. you know, real cute and everything, but it's pretty much abandoned for the most part. Doesn't it kind of look like the town in Phantoms a little bit? Yes, that it does. It, yes, that it does. Well, Linda spies this dog being chased by a group of children, but Trent doesn't, does not see that. It's just Linda that spies that. Yeah. So we see a very close up shot of a bloody axe. And then that's it. Hmm? So now. I didn't what? see that. Yes. So. They see that, and then there's just a very close up, very close up. You barely see the handle, and it's driven in like it looks like a a tree uh, tree trunk that's been the tree's been cut off. And it's just a tree trunk, and there's a bloody handle or a bloody axe. There's blood on the uh, metal part of the axe, huh. the blade of the axe in that tree trunk. It's just a real quick shot of it. I think Prime messed with uh, my movie. Because, you know, I bought well, it on I bought it on Amazon Prime. And like I said, there were a few jump cuts. So I think I missed out on a few things. OK, it was not a long scene or anything. And then right after that, there's um, the co-ed shower scene. And I get full butt. <laughs> Did you get half butt or full butt in your shot? Uh, I got uncut, <laughs> uncut penis in my shot. Damn it. And it was Gary Busey, wasn't it? <laughs> it was totally Gary Busey. <laughs> no. So the car arrives at the Pickman's uh, hotel. <clears throat> and this is where Linda mentions that she had heard about this place. And then she starts telling more where the townsfolk talk about seeing like this creature with snake arms moving inside of it. And she just knows more and more about this place that she's never been to. Yeah, because so she's read it. Um, oh, 
because she's read it in, uh, she was actually the one who read In the Mouth of Madness. And so she knows most of the things that even Trent doesn't know because he's only read up to the latest book, not the newest one. She's gotten the first two chapters from In the Mouth of Madness, yeah. correct. So all of a sudden the little innkeeper pops up and I love the little actress. She's so cute, but I did not write her down. I feel badly about that, but I love her. Uh, um, Francis Bay. Thank you. I love her. Uh, and then there's a painted picture, uh, kind of, in, excuse me, who was that? Peter Brady took me over. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a painted picture and it keeps changing. It's a man and a woman and they keep like ever so slightly, they change. Yeah. Like their positions change and they're, they're first they're faced forward and then their, uh, their backs are to the people. I would have been mm-hmm. out of there after seeing that. I've been like, fuck this. I'm gone. Well, let's be honest. I wouldn't have gotten that far after the bike guy. I'll be honest with you. I would have made you turn around, Rob. Yeah. Okay. That's we true. We would have <laughs> not gotten to there. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Because the bike is pretty freaky too. Yeah. And then uh, Trent keeps kind of grilling her and asking her if she knows Kane, which she's like, I don't, I don't know Sutter Kane. <laughs> so. Um, you know, uh, uh, Linda points out that the picture is changing everything. And then Trent's poo-pooing this. He's like, we're not living in a book. And he's like, if we were, Mrs. Pickman would have chopped her husband up into little pieces, but it's not a book. So it's, 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 uh, not fact. It's, it's fiction. And then we hear groaning. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yes. Okay. So the next thing we see is the two of them. Um, oh, wait, wait. So they're in their room and he's talking about the view should match. If it were, if they were really in the book, the way they described it, they are, the view would match uh, outside the window. And he's describing like the black church and it would match. Well, it doesn't match. He's like, well, that proves my point. But then Linda's like, you're looking out the, lo- the wrong window. She goes to the other window and it's the exact description from his book, the black church is like right outside a little ways from their hotel. Oh, yes. So, of course, the two decide to go investigate the black church. Which it's not a black church at all. I don't think they mean color. Oh, see, I was looking for like a church all covered in black. I think they mean dark. Okay, that makes sense. Like like your heart. Like my heart, yes. (laughs) Like your heart. Um, and so like, like the description, there's the mosaic of Jesus. Um, and they're saying that there's like uh, below it, there's an old sanctuary that still exists with vile creatures. And, um, all of a sudden Linda sees the dogs and kids again. We got Trent trying the locked door. There's the mosaic of the archangel fighting that really cool creature, the winged little demon looking thing, which I love. Oh yeah. That was awesome. Which is real. That was not made for the movie. That is on that church because there's another thing on the Blu-ray and they go to all the different locations there. And that really is there. So is that church actually in New Hampshire? Uh, I, I knew, I don't believe I know where they filmed this at. I didn't pay attention to that. Oh, I thought they filmed it in New England. I'm just. Uh... Uh, that I don't know, but the church that they really filmed it at really was there. The door's different, but that whole mosaic is really on there. That's badass. Yeah. So all of these cars come flying up. The people jump out. They've got their guns drawn and they're screaming for Kane. 
Yeah. And she knew she was like, get the hell out of here. They got guns. And uh, he's like, what are you talking about? How, how do you know all this? Because she's right. read the chapters in the book. So, right. So, in, so the doors of the church are like opening and closing very quickly. And there's Johnny boys, what they call them, is inside. And you see the kid inside the church and the doors are opening, closing, opening, closing until they eventually open and you see Kane is inside. Yeah. And then these Doberman pinchers kind of start pouring around the other side of the church. <laughs> My ass would have been so far gone. Like, no, thank you. And of course, anytime I see a Doberman, I automatically think of the Omen. To me, they're like hand in hand with Damien. Yeah. Or so. what was uh, Cujo? That was a Doberman too, right? No, St. Bernard. Are you serious? Yeah, it was a St. Bernard. Cujo was a St. Bernard. Wow. It was not a Doberman. Pinchers. I thought it yeah. was a Doberman. Do okay. we need to stop talking to each other? What? Do we need to stop talking to each other? <laughs> we might. I don't know. I, I must be <laughs> yeah, way no. too high. <laughs> yeah. Cujo was a St. Bernard. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, so uh, the two of them go to enter the car, but that's where the like kind of creepy girl is just standing there. And she's like, I see. Oh, the girl to, with the chewed off mouth. Yeah. To Linda. Yeah. So now they're back at the hotel room and Trent's like, this is bullshit. He's still not believing any of this. Um, and then he's thinking that Linda and Kane and the publisher has put everyone up to this like charade. Yeah. Everyone in the town. So Linda's like, it was a hoax, but we did not stage any of this. We just had him disappear, but the rest of it, we had nothing to do with this. And. Ooh, I just what? found out something really awesome. And okay. I didn't know. All right. So the guy who plays Simon in the movie, um, he was the one who lost his son. And. Okay. All right. Now. I had written in my notes, I was like, holy shit, this dude looks like the guy who, the same exact guy who played Vigo in uh, Ghostbusters 2. And then I'm Oh, yeah, Walt was telling me that. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb page, and he's actually the guy who played Vigo in Ghostbusters 2. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, holy yeah, shit. Walt, Walt was talking about that, too. Okay, yeah, um, that, that's just really cool. I, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, and then, yes, yeah, that, that is cool. Uh, and then... um Linda's saying that she knew the contents and it's about the end of everything. And she's saying it's going to take over the children and then it will eventually take over the people. And yeah. they've got to read the book to figure out how to get out of this. And then she starts to get a little amorous, but then Trent just like leaves her alone. <laughs> He's a like, get off me woman. Right. So downstairs, the picture that we've talked about before the people are all started like kind of twisted looking in the, in the, the picture, the painting. Yeah. They, they start to look more and more messed up. Yeah, exactly. So Trent's with the innkeeper and he's smoking and she mentions that it bothers her husband. And he asks if she knows Linda Stiles and she's like, no, I, I don't know Linda Stiles at all. And we hear that there's some moaning going on behind the counter. And oh, that's Linda, the scene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scene. And then we see like Linda, like rushes past, like down the hallway, out the door and she takes off in the car. 
<laughs> well, then there's more moaning, and we see like below the counter, there's a nude elderly man, which is clearly the innkeeper's husband. He's like handcuffed to her leg. Which is weird as shit. Like, why would he be handcuffed to her leg? You know what? I don't judge you. Don't you dare judge me. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't make much sense to me, you know? (laughs) I'm just going to move on. I have so many things I want to say. We're moving on. Um, So now it's night and uh, Trent's in a bar. And the gentleman that you were just talking about, Simon, is that what his name was you said? Um, yeah, the he, his, yeah, Wilhelm von Homburg, uh, who plays Simon. Okay, so he's questioning Trent. He's like, you a writer? And Trent's like, you an actor? And he's like, <laughs> you just need to leave. He's like, you know, Kane's been messing uh, around at the church. He's like, first he took the kids, now he's after us. He's like, you know, he's trying to be helpful. He's like, just get out. But Trent's not buying any of this because he's, just sure this is a really elaborate ruse to mess with, I guess, him. <laughs> yeah. Like he's got the entire town in on this whole thing and they just really want to mess with his head. Exactly. Exactly. So it's still night. Now we're at the church and Linda is exiting the car and her foot is hit by a ball. And then she's confronted by a whole bunch of really grotesque looking children. Especially the chewed off uh, lips child. Yeah. And she's like, who takes care of you? And then they're like, you do. It's mommy day. (laughs) Like, what the heck? So now we have Trent. He's back at the hotel looking for Linda. But she's not there because she's still at the church. And we get that sign that says, anyone who dare enter this unholy site be damned forever. So, of course, Linda's like, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge and she runs for the car. No, she doesn't. She goes inside. (laughs) Because of course. Of course she does. And then inside, I like the little upside down, like cross window thing. I thought that was a cool touch. Oh yeah, that that was cool. Now, the outside was a church. The inside was a set. Oh, so they weren't actually inside the church. No, so that church, if you're going to look for a bloody pulsating door, it's not there, Rob. Damn it. I know it. I know it. So I guess Trent's just like, whatever, because he's on the bed with a book. He's not that worried about Linda. (laughs) But Linda's, you know, investigating the church and she opens that door and there's like that typewriter in there with a little tray of paper. Oh, yeah. Yep. And she just closes it and she's making her way, you know, to the other side of the, the wall. And then she hears the, like the tapping of the keys of the typewriter. And then she opens it to reveal Sutter Kane. Dun, dun, dun. Anna Doberman. <laughs> <laughs> and then the hand that grabs her, which is like a jump scare for me, and the door slams shut. Yeah, that kind of scared me, too. So, oh, OK. So sometimes I worry I'm just like a, a scary cat. But OK, so. We see that Kane is inside and he's been editing this one from inside, he says. And then we see that bloody pulsating door. And he's saying that he's now got the power to make it all real. And that horrible, slimy things are trying to get back in. Yeah, they've been waiting for their chance. They just needed enough power from uh, belief, I guess. And, yes. And it's his, his next book is going to be The Instrument of the Homecoming. And it's going to be considered the New Bible. Yeah, which is and this is where. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just like 
that part right there because it, it takes us back. It's a callback to basically the beginning where everybody was kind of going nuts. Uh, more people have read Sutter Kane and they're just like awaiting his next um, opus, you know? And so it's like, yeah, it is going to be like the new Bible. Mm-hmm, exactly. So then Kane grabs the back of her head and like plunges it right above the manuscripts pages and it glows. And we get this barrage of images, much like earlier in the film that Trent had. And we see her eyes are now bleeding. Yeah. So I guess to read the book, you don't actually have to read the book. I'm assuming that because, well, maybe she read the last page. Maybe that was all she needed was just those last words. Oh, okay. Maybe. I, maybe. Because to me, if you don't need to read the book, why would people need to have it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, maybe the act of opening the book and having all that stuff shown to you. It, it yeah. Is I, like yeah. A- I don't know. So what happens if people listen to the audio, the audio book? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or the graphic novel. The graphic novel, yeah. Or or the porn. Or the porn. Or the porn. Yeah. Um, so I love this scene where she reaches around to caress Kane. Oh. There's this creature thing growing from the back of Kane. And didn't that give you vibes from beyond? Okay, and this is a giant spoiler alert for a much newer movie. It also reminded me of Malignant. Have you seen that oh, one? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. With the, with the twin. Like, this is malignant all over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what else it brought to mind? Uh, a much newer movie called The Void. And this oh, is. Oh, Rob, I yeah. love that movie so much. I do too. That's one of my favorites of the newer oh, films. It, people, if you have not seen The Void, you need to watch that film. Yeah, that's definitely a Lovecraft-esque film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll stop saying yes, but yeah, people <laughs> seek that one out. I love Malignant too, but The Void, if you are into this jam, The Void is going to be right up your alley. Oh, hell yeah. So to me, I put down, this is a jump scare. It's when Trent opens the door at the hotel and she just like jumps into his arms and she's like, I'm losing me. Oh yes. That scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you weren't expecting that. And then all of a sudden there's just a woman basically falling on top of you. Right, exactly. Which that's never happened to me. Um, <laughs> and then you, you know, you there's no context to it. It's just her over no. and over. I'm losing me. I'm losing I'm myself. I'm losing me. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, what are you saying? Anyway, yes. So Trent's at the main desk and we see that now there's just these like monstrosities. They're not even people anymore. There's these monsters on the painting. Yeah, it looks like Cthulhu's children. It totally. What was it? Uh Jeff and Mary, I think that were their names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see, see, Jeff and Mary peel the skin from the living. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> run, Jeff and Mary, run. Fun um, with Dick and Jane. Right. So he's calling out for Mrs. Pickman, but then he hears this like screaming. And he heads down below to her lower level only to see that the innkeeper is now a creature and it's attacking the spouse. That yeah. was re- chained to its l- limbs still, but the limb is now a tentacle. Right. She had like two or three tentacles. I oh, think, yeah. Right? A plethora of yeah. tentacles. <laughs> and it's chopping its husband's arm off with an axe. This suddenly just became a hentai. <laughs> Are you a hentai fan? 
I've only seen a couple. I can't really say I'm a fan. Did you ever see L.A. Blue Girl? No, I haven't. Okay, so, and then we'll get off this really quick. When anime first made its way over to the States, of course, instead of bringing over more traditional anime, they thought, hey, people are going to get into the sex stuff. So that was some of the first stuff they released. (laughs) And one of the first ones I ever saw was called L.A. Blue Girl. And that was a hentai. And I always think of when people say hentai, that's the very first thing that comes into my mind was L.A. Blue Girl. Okay. Now we're moving on. Okay. Um, so so <laughs> they're back in the hotel room and he's like, we're going, he's like to Styles, he's like, we're going now. <laughs> we're getting the fuck out of Dodge. But she's behind like a frosted glass, like a partition. Probably the bathroom is what I'm thinking. Oh yeah. And you, you see like uh, her form changing and like little tentacles coming out from underneath the door. Exactly. Underneath the door. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's just like pushed out of the hotel. Like the door's not open. It flies out with him. (laughs) And so he's like fleeing. And then like she talked about earlier, you see the creature in the greenhouse. Yeah. It's like everything is turning into Cthulhu land now. Exactly. So he's driving off and in town, we've got Linda surrounded by the kids and there's like that mutated woman with the ax yeah, which is think- kind of like the um, the image that she was shown by Sutter Kane. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then the bartenders pose the question, what came first, us or the book? And then uh, Johnny's sister, uh, and then the bartender's like, because he's like all like smashed up. And he says that Johnny's sister attacked him because Trent's retreated to the bar. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I, sorry I got lost sorry. for a moment, but now I know yeah, what you're sorry. talking about. Okay. And then, so he's got a gun. He basically is going to shoot himself. And and, and Trent's, Trent's like, like, don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. He's like, I, I was written this way. Exactly. I have to. Um, so Trent knocks Linda out and puts her in the car. <laughs> and she attempts to swallow the car keys. Shut up, Susan. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, and the crowd is approaching. And then Trent is basically, he's like, I'm hot while in the car and I'm out of here. Yeah. Fun little aside. The car keys that she swallowed were made of pasta. Get out of town. Oh, okay. In my mind, I was, okay. So they, they were formed. It was like pasta formed to look like car keys. Right. Yep. Gotcha. In my mind, I was thinking like they took spaghetti and, okay, now I'm with you. I'm, I'm such a dork. <laughs> they just I'm wet, so slow on the uptake. Wet noodle car keys, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like he'd punched her and uh, so she'd been knocked out from the punch. And then she awakens. She's like, are we leaving? And then uh, uh, she's like, Kane's writing me. It's good for the book. And so she, clearly she's not Linda anymore. She's she's kind of been taken over as well. Right. She's become a part of uh, the ever expanding universe of Sutter Kane. Mm-hmm. So it's night. And now they're at the same side of the bike accident from earlier. Oh, God, this is the part. This is the part. <laughs> so the old man's there again he retreats and the car door is open and linda kind of looks around with her head yes all you see is a head (laughs) okay this to me feels very japanese like like j-horror oh like the grudge or not even so much because they because they not even that because okay so what i'm talking about 
Japanese horror sometimes will do where you get the head, but then it's attached to this like elongated neck. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. That's what this reminded me. That's where I first thought they were going to go with this. But no, she's actually going to do like a spider walk, almost like the exorcist. Yeah, because her her body is one way and her head is the other way. And she, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, see that that yeah. really bothered, especially like when I remember when we covered extra and Thank the body you. was like that. And this is yep. kind of along those same lines where it really, really messes with me. It is very uh, unnerving. It's very jarring, <laughs> very yeah. uncanny. Well, she's like, uh, Kane has a job for you. And like Trent's in his car and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> now, at first, when I just saw the head peeking out, I was thinking like, oh, this is a John Carpenter film. a la the thing where you see the head. OK, um, that's what I'm talking about. That is yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. So when the head raises up and it's attached to that hoarding looking thing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Japanese movies. You said the same thing in just a different way. Oh, okay. That, okay, that's ex- so you have in my mind the image that I was talking about. Yes, we're talking the same thing, right? All right, exactly. we're speaking the same language as we always do. Yep, we're on the same page here. Um, so he's driving down, and the striping on the road that separates the lanes is starting to glow orange. Yeah, it's starting to do that weird thing that it did when they first arrived. Yeah, and really faintly, you can hear Linda's laugh like kind of echoing around. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Listen again. It's there. And then he returns right back to town with the crowd again. It's like Groundhog Day. It is. It is. And he passes the old man. And this time Linda's on the back of the bike. Ah, yes. And she's like doing, she's like dancing in the, in the wind. Yeah. Yeah, Her arm. She's like, kind of like, you know, like you would (laughs) on a bike with someone driving. You're like kind of feeling the wind on your arms. Yeah, exactly. And then he retreats and then it's just again. And then the orange glow and he's back in town. And then this time he just drives straight on into the crowd. But he knows that Linda has been taken over. So why does he move, swerve out of the way instead of just running her over? (laughs) Walt's like, take her down. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not even like they're romantically entangled. You know, they didn't fall in love with an hour. Right. And he, Um, he doesn't even really, he's not into her. No, he's not. And he hits the truck and he's knocked unconscious. And then he's inside the black church and he awakens inside a confession and help me. He awakens inside a confessional. (laughs) Yeah. And see, I don't know anything about I knew that was like a confession booth, but I'm not Catholic, so I don't know. So he's inside. Okay, so do you know how they work at least? No, I don't. Okay, so Rob, you would say, okay, so where he is, you sit inside there. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's another even smaller little, like it's got like a chair in it, um, facing a door. Okay. It's got a little glory hole in there. Well, if you're Catholic, (laughs) no. Um, and the priest sits there and on the other side, there's another room identical to the one that, uh, Sam Neill's character is in. Okay. There's sliding doors. So the, uh, um, sliding doors that open up to that little grate. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, yeah, I saw that in like the boondock saints. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So the priest would sit there. He would slide the door open. He can barely see you. You would confess. He would absolve you of your sins. He would give you like a little penance to do, like say a couple of Hail Marys, whatever. 
Then he would close the door. You would get up and leave. Then he would open the other door to the other side where someone else was waiting. He would then hear their confession and it would go back and forth until all the people were done for that day. Oh, wow. For the confessions. Yeah. Now, this freaked me out because my mom's side of the family were Southern Baptist. They would have face-to-face confessions where they would just sit there and tell like Brother Eddie, like this random guy <laughs> who just whatever their their sins. And I'm like, it's a small congregation. He's going to know like exactly who you are. And <laughs> like the uh, anon- anonymity is gone. And yeah. that was just weird to me. I found that unsettling. But anyway, <clears throat> so he's in the confessional. Now he tries, he wants to light a cigarette and he's trying to light the match on a loose screw. Did you catch this? That's another part that was probably cut because it went straight to um, Sutter Kane opening the little screen thing and speaking to him. Okay, so they showed it, Rob, like they focused on it. And I'm like, what is the importance? So the screw was like, it wasn't screwed in all the way on the seat where he was sitting. It was up a little bit, enough that he could, you know, attempt to strike a match on it. But I'm like, why are you, why are you purposely showing us that screw? Like, are you saying like his screws loose or is it like, I didn't, I, I wasn't quite sure. And I want to get your take on it, but I guess that doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't even see it. So. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um. So like Kane's giving his spiel on like religion seeks, um, uh, dis- disciples through fear and, you know, trends holding on to like books aren't for real. And Cain's like more people believe in my works than the Bible. Um, and you know, Trent's like, you know, have you got a point to this? And he's like, I think, you know, very well what it is. And, uh, uh, people are always looking for the, the oh no, uh, the, the Trent's always looking for the con and Trent's like your books suck. Uh, <laughs> And then you see this like glowing from the other side of the, the, the confessional yeah. underneath. Uh, and then Kane's new book, he says, will drive you uh, absolutely mad. And he takes power uh, from the, from the new readers and uh, who are basically the new believers. Right. And when you think about it, it's um, what he's talking about. He's got a point because belief is such a powerful thing. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally. Oh yes, totally. Totally. I mean, look at all the good or atrocities that people have done based on a belief. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and there's a flash of light, and then Kane strikes T's head on the confessional wall. Then they are both in the same writing room that Linda was with him earlier. With the slimy door. Slimy door, the pulsating door. Yep. <laughs> um and he's basically now the manuscript's all done and it's yours to deliver. And he wants him to take that to the publisher. And, and uh, he isn't, says, uh, isn't Styles there with him? Uh, let or, me keep going. Is that okay? Oh yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'm not trying to be mean. I just have to, <laughs> I have to read my notes to tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. I'm just not that up. Okay. so. Um, and then this is where Trent realized this, or Kane says that, you know, Trent wasn't here before he wrote him. And, um, uh, and you know, Kane's like, did my agent act by accident? You know, he read about you. And then Trent's like, no, I'm not a piece of fiction. 
Yeah, it's I'm like, real. I'm real. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Kane's like, read and see what I have in store for you. And he's like, you need to go back with this. Um, and he's and now he's like, you know, you you need to go back now. He's like, I can't hold them back any longer. They're gonna break through. Right. And then so we see Kane like face on, and he reaches up, and at first you think he's gonna peel like his face away. But he actually like just rips into the fabric of space and time. Thank you. Exactly. He rips <laughs> into the, yes, exactly. The, wonderfully put. Um, and it just tears like an open hole, just an opening. Yeah. That turns into like the, the pages as if you had punctured a book and you can see yes. some of the writings on mm-hmm. from one side and to the other. Yeah, so like it's a dark portal. So like you said, if you had punched through a paper, so one side of it is actually like let's say the 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 view you would have of the of our reality. Mm-hmm. Then what you would punch through was the flip side of that were the pages of the book, the manuscript. Then a gaping hole from the other side. Are you with me? Oh, I'm Does with that you. Sound yeah. right? Okay, <laughs> gaping so I did a black good job. maw, the abyss. Exactly. And then we hear Linda's voiceover and she's actually reading now. And, and then she, she says that Trevor. Yes, she's reading Trent, what he's doing, right? Exactly. She exactly. It's a voiceover of what's happening. And then she's saying that Trent peers into the blackness as creatures enter our world. And then we see Trent starts to flee down this long tunnel and he's pursued by monsters. Right. And I swear one of the, the, the octopus looking one looked exactly like Cthulhu. <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought. I'm like, this is Cthulhu. Yeah. This is this for all intents and purposes. This is Cthulhu. Um, and then he falls and they start to close in on him and he screams and awakens on a road with the manuscript. You can't get rid of that damn book. No. And then we have that windmill image again and it's turning, making that clicky sound. See, I still didn't hear that clicky sound. Okay. And then we get a kid on a bike making that little clicky sound again. Yeah, I heard that one. <laughs> now, the kid on the bike is um, Anakin Skywalker. Oh, Hayden Christensen. Okay. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, and then... So the kid asked, you know, like, has there been an accident? Do you mean to get somebody? And he's like, no, I just need to know how to like, you know, have you ever heard of Hobbs End? And the kid's like, no. And then he's like, I just need to know how to get out of here. And then we see him hitchhiking and he gets on the big rig. Yep. So that night he's in a motel and he's watching Robot Monster from the moon. And he's looking into a mirror and he falls asleep. The next day, he's at the front counter and he's paying for a paper. And then a gen- the uh, the uh, person that works behind the counter, he's like, there's a package for you, Mr. Trent. He's like, nobody and, knows I'm here. There can't be anything for me. And he's like, well, somebody does. And it's a big ass package that includes the manuscript. Yeah. And as if you couldn't, even if you didn't open it, you could still tell what it was. You totally knew what it was. Yeah. Or like, you know. A year subscription of Playgirl. (laughs) (laughs) So he he goes to rough up the clerk because he wants to know who sent it. Like, what did the guy look like? 
And the kid's like, I don't know. And this like other clerk who's like, you know, a little bit rougher looking, he's like, I picked it up. He's like, I didn't even see who it was. So he's like, so, you know, leave the kid alone. Yeah. Well, then we see that he's burning the manuscript. Or so he thinks. Mm-hmm. So now he's on a bus ride next to Chatty Cathy. <laughs> oh, that accent, man. <laughs> I would have gotten up from my seat and like sat on the oh, floor somewhere. Those people find me. Like there's something about me. They will pick me out of a bazillion people and they will sit next to me. I guess you're and just then they always, really approachable. Well, then they always say they know me and they never do. And the people that they think I am are horrified. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. Oh, it's no. always like the scariest people. Yeah. I One person thought I was a, uh, a uh, skinhead. One person thought they had Jeez. been in prison with me for uh, running drugs. <laughs> wow. I'm like, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rob, I'm not making this stuff up. You're yeah, just a magnet crazy. for this kind of stuff. I th- it's the shaved head. Is like, it? I think it is. Yeah. It's a shaved head and goat he- goatee, and they just automatically assume, like, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> all the time. Okay. So anyway, and he falls asleep next to Chatty Cathy. But he awakens next to Cain. Yeah. And Cain tells him that basically he's God now. And he's not going anywhere. Right. And he says, and then he's, he really, oh, his it. favorite color is blue. And Trent looks around, he wakes up and everything is a shade of blue. And he starts screaming. <laughs> he's like, no, anything but blue. Exactly. Well, then he awakens again and it's, not blue. It was a dream. Chatty Kathy's next to him. And she's like, it was just a dream. Um, and then we have this very curt woman and she's like, are you deaf and dumb, sir? This is the 10th time I'm telling you Hobbs end does not exist. Right. So he's at a hall of records trying to locate this place that he knows exists. Cause he's been there. And you can tell that like it, to quote a Metallica song, the frayed ends of sanity right there. Um, I agree with you on the quote, but I'm pretty sure that's ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) So now it's nighttime and he's kind of disheveled looking, but he's going down that same alley. Ah, yes. The one where he saw the police brutality. Mm -hmm. And he picks the poster apart more and it reveals like an illustration of him. Yeah. And the new cover of the book, um, in the mouth of Mm -hmm. madness. Yes. So now he's at the office uh, of the publisher who hired him to do all of this. And, um, you know, um, Mr. Harglow, Charlton Heston. And he's like, well, that's quite a story. He's like, you don't believe it, do you? And he's like, you know, and like Trent's like, well, what about Styles? He's like, I sent you off alone. Yeah, I sent you by yourself. And then Trent's like, well, she was written out of the book then. And he's like, has this book infected you? (laughs) And he's like. You delivered the manuscript to me two months ago. He's like, it's been out in the stores for seven weeks. And the movie's on the way next month. I was going to say, and he's like, don't distribute it. And he's like, it drives people crazy. And then that's when the publisher reveals just what you said, that the movie's coming out next month. So he leaves there. And then we see this like line out the bookstore. And then on uh, the the television, we overhear like, you know, the that there's like an epidemic of paranoid schizophrenics. Yep. Um, and then we see uh, that the uh, 
there's a two people two pupiled reader with bloody eyes uh gets hacked with a axe by trent oh yeah because he's like what did you think of the book or something like that oh right yeah 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 so back in the cell now we're with trent and dr wren and he's saying that the movie will affect people that uh who don't read the book and the doctor turns off the recorder and Trent's like, it's going to get worse out there. He's like, every species can smell their own extinct extinction. He's like, humanity is going to become like the end of humanity is going to become like a myth. It'll be like a bedtime story. Yeah. And I'm assuming he was uh, talking about a bedtime story for the old ones that have returned because I mean, apparently when they return completely, they're going to be taking over the planet. Exactly. And they'll be tucking in you know, their little Cthulhu's <laughs> and they'll be like, nah, you knock, knock, glug, glug, knock, knock. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. And then <laughs> there's thunder and then we're outside the cell. <clears throat> and then Dr. Wren's like, you know, this is just useless fiction. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it just makes no sense. And then We've got, um, help me with this one. So, oh, that's when uh, Saperstein asks Oh, right. Him, yeah, thank you. Yeah. He's like, do you read Sutter King? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we're inside the cell and we've got, you know, um, Trent, he's like, you know, prone on that little floor cot he's laying on there. And then there's lightning and screaming and there's like shadows of like violent acts going on out yeah. on the outside of his cell. Yep. And, and then, then it gets, like, his door, it, it well, it's, it goes dark. Yeah. And then the door, there's that pounding. And I thought like whatever was on the other side of that door could easily yank it off its hinges. Easily, easily. Well, it's light now and we've got Trent peering out and the other side of that door is like all clawed and bloody. Yeah. But it's been like pounded on, like you said. And so he can just kind of open it and the asylum is in shambles. Oh, and all the doors are open. All Every cell all the door doors is open. open. There's books thrown about with pages all over the place. And then at the hospital desk, it's just all a shambles. And the radio, the radios talk about fires everywhere and there's no emergency services. And then we hear that there's more people infected. Yeah. And wasn't it like, we're going to try to stay on air as long as possible. As long as possible. And, you know, um, would we uh, stay out of the fog and can you get to my son? (laughs) (laughs) uh and then so trent just basically walks out of the asylum yeah and that's our that's our movie not quite rob no what happened next we see trent outside of again like a just the world is a shambles but now he's outside a movie theater where they are playing in the mouth of madness starring none other than john trent no way way (laughs) (laughs) So he enters in with his little box of popcorn and the movie is basically just different clips of the movie we've seen. Yeah. And he's laughing and I think he's he's crying at the end. Yes. Okay. So now they had shot a scene where Linda, and I'm not joking. I'm being, my hand is up. My, my, my boy scout hand is up. They had shot a scene where Linda leans over from the back, from the seat behind him, the back row behind him, leans over, and then a tentacle shoots up through his bucket of popcorn. 
Are you serious? I, I'm not joking. I'm being honest. This was on the Blu-ray. She talked about that. Oh, um, wow. They decided not to use it. They show they had actually filmed the stunt and everything, but they did not use it, which I'm glad. I think that would have made it a little bit more. I don't know. I just I kind of like the ending we got. Yeah, because he's like completely out of his mind here. Yeah, and uh, I just I'm OK with that ending. Right. I, I'm good with that, too. And then we get the rock music and it's the end. It's the same song that played at the beginning, too. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So now, Rob, did you enjoy it this time? Oh, absolutely. I love this movie. Would you recommend it? Yes, I would. I would recommend it to fans of both uh, creature horror and psychological horror because it has actually it has more psychological than it does creature. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yes. Um, OK, so I've said this before. I will say it again. People's tastes change. So when I originally saw this in 94, I again was met with, this is not a John Carpenter movie that I want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just okay with it. Um, And I don't know why. It really is my kind of movie. I don't know. I really don't know why. I I can't. Hmm. I could tell you why I was turned off by uh, Prince of Darkness. This one, I really can't tell you why I was told to it, but I was. Um, That's interesting. I love the thing. I love the thing. I love it. So, not the thing, the movie, this movie. I love it. It is HP Lovecraft to a T. Oh, yeah. Um, it has that mounting sense of dread. Um, I love that we get this protagonist who is faced time and time again with this weirdness that he should be running from, but he's just so bound and determined that people are messing with him that he's not going to see what's right in front of him right Um, i just i love this movie i love sam neill um i i don't know what was wrong with me i really don't i don't know why i was so cold to it i thoroughly enjoy this movie i hate the rock music at the beginning and the end but that's not enough to turn me against this thing um i love the fact that they did not shoehorn a stupid love interest in this thing um I I think it's just so much fun. Um, I do agree with you. I think it's way more psychological than creature oriented, um, but it's so much fun. It's I, I just think it's a great horror movie. Um, I love creepy atmospheric things. Uh, if you're into that, this is going to be right up your alley. I definitely recommend uh, people who listen to this show. I think this will appeal to you. Um, I almost don't think you're going to get people who like, again, air quotes, slow burn horror. I don't think this is that. I think that you will be taken with this on a ride that I think it's pretty much consistent uh, tonally from start to finish. Yeah. I don't see this as a slow burn because uh, no, every scene so pays itself off almost immediately. Yeah. No, I, I sincerely like this movie. I think it's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, I have zero complaints with this one. I, I can't I believe enjoy it. like um, going by what we love about from beyond. And I would put this movie in the same category as from beyond where it's just like that uh, tension built up and like creatures from another realm. And there's like a madness, a hint of madness in the air. 
Um, and it's just like, you know, I would put these movies, uh, from beyond in this movie side by side, basically. From beyond to me is this movie on steroids. Everything is amped up. Like oh yeah. You, I just meant, um, when you oh, said, no, I understand. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, I understand totally what you're saying, but like the gore is amped up. Uh, in from beyond, uh, the gore is amped up. I think, um, like the sexuality is like nil in this one, whereas it's like way amped up. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It, to me, like, don't, if you've never seen this and you're expecting a from beyond two, that's in that department, then you're going to walk away from this, like really mad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, yeah, don't even expect that from the void either. No, 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 no. Um, but as far as like subject matter, then you're right on with that statement. Yes. Yeah. Like that's what I meant. Um, going along the lines of um, Lovecraft-esque films or actual yes. Lovecraft uh, based on Lovecraft films. Mm -hmm. It's yes. um, like I would put these two movies together because they're it's like they take place in the same universe. Oh, totally. Yes. Just tonality. Uh, uh, they're very different uh, as far as. Oh, I'm going to get all these amped up uh, gore effects. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get all these creature things. Um, then you'll be sorely disappointed. Yeah. 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 But no, if you want to make an HP Lovecraft night of it, actually the three of them, I would do, if it were me, if it were me, I would do in the mouth of madness first. I would do the void second and I would end with from beyond. Ooh, that. I think, yeah, you've got something there with that. That's definitely a good recommendation. That's what, that's how I would do it. Yeah. Cause you end it with, to lighten the mood a little bit. Well, and to me, from beyond is the most over the top one. The right. most like fun, <laughs> like, you know, the most like gonzo of the three yeah and that's why the mood would be lightened because you, you've got mm -hmm. two very serious movies that mess with your head and then like you end it with uh you know something sweet basically <laughs> yeah yeah but i think you'd have a load of fun with all three of those together yeah i think actually i think i'm gonna do that right now you just your end just goes dead <laughs> <laughs> no not right now <laughs> all right so have we have we said everything we need to say about In the Mouth of Madness, Rob? I think so. All right. All right. So next we are going to be tackling the Predator. Is that correct? Get to the chopper. <laughs> so we are going to, I guess, be talking to the granddaddy that started everything in the franchise. Hmm. We're talking about not to talking about the granddaddy that started everything in the franchise. Wait, I'm sorry. Is it the Predator or Predator? I always get confused on this. I want to make sure we're the uh, right one. Is the Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, the Predator is the new film, so it's just Predator. Oh, just Predator. Yeah. Okay, that's what. Okay, Predator, which I had written down, and I said the Predator. I'm like, I did that wrong. Predator. predator See, I predator. didn't even catch that. I, I knew you were talking about the Arnold movie. Yeah, but I want everyone else to know so they can watch it along with us before we talk about it. Yeah, if you haven't so, seen it, or even if you have, definitely watch it again. Mm -hmm. So it's 87, 1987's Predator. Yeah. If it bleeds, with, we can kill it. With Arnold. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of us on Instagram, we are at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. That's right. And Rob, yeah. 
uh, you can send us an email at mmccpod at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. More than you know. And we always, from the bottom of our dark little hearts, thank you for joining us here because the more the scarier. That's right. And, uh, you know, do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> <laughs> and as always, stay spooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>